He's right in front of me, and I can honestly tell him that I'm going to knock him spark out. Leaping right hand by the Prince. Ooh. And up hard left. And Kelly's down for the third time. Whoa! He's for real. The Unbelievable. For real. One more touchdown. And Cardinal has gone. Bernard Dunn is the champion of the world. Bernard Dunn is the champion of the world. Fantastic, Bernard. Fantastic. And here comes Andy Lee in now. And you're very welcome along to Off The Brawl here on Off The Ball. I'm Ronan Mullen, joined as ever by Phil Egan. Happy 2020, Phil. This is the first one of the year, isn't it? First one. Jeez. What were we doing last week? I don't know. I don't know. It's been a quiet start to the boxing year, but yeah. not anymore because we've got someone in the studio who has a big January. It's a friend of the show, Luke Keeter. Luke, how are you? Good, yeah, great. Going really well. I'm not having the best camp I ever had, you know? So, touch water continues. Yeah, and you you were sparring today? Yeah, I just ran, I just rushed in. It was a small bit late, but uh, yeah, everything's gone perfect. I'm putting my body through it. I had a really long camp, but I'm feeling fresh as well. You know, like I took a break. Like there was talk of there was talk of a fight in December with, with Andrade, and then there was talk of a fight actually against Marate in Japan. Uh, then Stephen Butler, who was the, the WO number one, he took that fight. So it was between me, me and Butler for that, that fight in Japan uh, at the end of December. Then uh, Andrade came back on then after he took the, the Maratha fight. So I've been, it's kind of been a long, long kind of camp. I took like a week off, week and a half off after uh, the Falls Park show. And just went straight back in and proven in the gym. I knew, well, do you know what, I, I, after the Falls Park, I, I wanted a big fight. I didn't want another... I didn't want another step up, I just I felt like I wanted a world title next. Um, but I also knew I made a lot of mistakes in that uh, fight. Even though I dominated a guy that, that fought for a world title, uh, I knew I made mistakes and, and we went back and literally since that, that fight, we've been working on things and, and it's, it's going really great, you know? And mistakes, what mistakes would you say you made? Just me, me hand position wasn't, hand position wasn't as uh, tight as it needed to be. You know, at, at like elite war level, like them little mistakes was caught clean four or five times. That you kind of, you can't make them mistakes, you know, at the next level in order to win a world title. So, I've been working on that and, and a few other little things. Uh, just get me jab going and, and just, just boxing really, you know. Yeah, and you you were signed on to fight on an MTK show in the winter time, weren't you? Was it Glasgow or? Yeah, it was Glasgow. Yeah, there was talk talk of a fight in Glasgow, and then the Maratha fight came through. It would have been a bit of a risk, and even an Andrade fight was in in talks. But until it's actually signed, it's it's hard to get like be sure of it. But I had it in my head. I actually, I actually pulled the plug on the the Scottish show. They they were eager for me to. Keep busy, like they probably were aware that could fall through and just keep me busy. But I had it in my head; it's it's hard to kind of get up for them fights and injuries. I just had it in my head that I was going to be fighting for world title, and, and it came about, you know. Mm. And he's mentioned the Falls Park show, Phil, and that was a great occasion. And Michael Conlon was the headliner, but that uh, Luke's fight always felt like the 
the most competitive fight on the card, and it was a it was a cracker in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, you're always the entertainer, and I think since the first time you came in with us, you know, you were just coming back from the. You were saying you had a few injury problems, but you just you're on a steady progression. So this is the the world title shot now, and what what was it like over Christmas? Obviously, you have to scale it back. No gravy in yeah, your turkey, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. It was a bland Christmas dinner, <laughs> but uh, you know, I just kept training since that fight. Yeah. Like uh, I, I love training with P, you know, because I'm learning uh, and. Uh, like it didn't feel like a chore. I didn't like. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I enjoyed this camp, the build up. He, he actually said it to me about. Uh, he was actually speaking about the the build up for the Olympics with Katie. They put so much pressure on themselves that he didn't enjoy it. And he just he made that apparent to me. He says it's important to enjoy the the camp nearly, uh, and even going out to Miami and and enjoy. You just soak up everything. Uh, so we've done that in this camp. We, we've done everything right, grueling camp, but uh, my body's out responding well. And, and uh, thank God, you know, I'm, I'm fitter than I ever was, you know, that kind of way, no niggles. And it just, to me, it feels like it's uh, time, everything is spot on, time, and everything is really rolling for me to pull off the upset, you know? You're making up for lost time because you're, you know, you, you were part time and it was hard to. Juggle everything, but now you're full time. You've said you can even see it, like when, like just how your the shape of your body, even you're in better, you're better shape as well. So, is that actually an advantage now? Because maybe yeah. some boxers can overtrain. Mm. So would have had grueling camps throughout the years, yeah. and maybe when they get into their thirties, it takes its toll. Yeah, I, I mentioned that a couple of times in, in like previous interviews. I've seen with a couple of guys, uh, them like oh, elite, even the elite amateurs, the the Eastern European camps, like it's grueling inspired on that high performance alone. Never mind, like I see, uh, I see it in Andrade. He's a year younger than me, but he's ten years a pro and he looks old. You know, I really feel fresh. You know that kind of way. So I do think it's an advantage. All these little things are kind of balancing the scales. I think. Uh, like I had four or five years as a pro where I worked full time and I trained four or five times a week. Trained hard during them times, but it's no comparison to putting your body through them camps for so many years and it does catch up with fighters, you know? Yeah, and even you were saying about the, the hand placement in your last fight, how many sessions does it take to get that? And is there times through sparring where your body starts to feel weary and some of those habits start creeping back in. Yeah, yeah, you re- you revert to old when you get tired, or you do actually just go in like to your subconscious and, and make mistakes. You know kind of way. So Pete is just constantly. He, I, I probably frustrate the life out of him, but he's just hammering down. And he, he he said it to me at the start of this camp. He says, "I'm going to be dogging you this time. Like there's there's no way. Uh, you can't be a friend. You're not kind of way." He says, "Don't be don't be." Uh, Put off, but I'm going to be dogging you now about these mistakes. You can't be just nice about it because I was making them mistakes, and I had a good spar today. Uh, I've, I've I've listened to him, uh, and when I do listen to him, uh, everything works, you know. So it's it's great having that just confidence and trust, uh, and the, it just that bit. That's how I build in the last three fights. But I, I literally can you can nearly just zone in when you go back to the corner. And listen, and it's working, you know. Yeah, and the Arias fight. So I was up there with Andy Lee. He was working on the TV, and I was ringside as well. And like 
it was a special fight. Like there's no two ways about it, and probably the best win by an Irish middleweight since Andy Lee himself won the world title. And Andy said the best win by a Dublin fighter since Bernard Dunn won the world title. So that's the kind of air we're talking about here. Did you realise when you were in that fight that it was that it was that kind of fight, or were you just thinking? have to stick to the tactics here because it kind of went the way a lot of your fights go where you hurt him early put him down you're, you tried to jump in and finish it and then maybe had to step off the uh, gas a little bit yeah like it, it was I, I felt I enjoyed it to be honest it, f- it felt like a good fight in there uh, I felt I didn't feel troubled once or under any uh, I didn't have any doubts in there at all like uh, before I'm, I'm getting fear at each camp and even since that fight, I'm getting so much fear. My recovery, like we, we use heart rate monitors, and I couldn't run before the last fight, a bit of a back trouble. And it was just when the lads were doing the sprint sessions, always on a step up. But this camp, I'm having like, we do two savage sprint sessions. You've probably seen clips of them. And my recovery is just straight back down to, to like green zone nearly in between rounds. So. It's just that bringing a lot of confidence, you know, in in that. So I won't dip this time. See that little dip and lull. You can't afford. You can't afford to do that against a, a world class operator yeah. like Andrade. So that you're not going to see that. And that 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 was one of the things we've worked on. Was just stepping up again in terms of that condition. Uh, yeah, it was a good fight. He was uh, he was crafty. Like he, he had good feints and he he caught me clean a few times, but he didn't trouble me in the slightest. And. Uh, it was a good win in the end, wasn't it? Mm. And Andre, you mentioned there, you've been keeping an eye on him and you think he's maybe getting a little bit old or looks a little bit old. How, when did he come onto your radar? Because he's relatively new to the middleweight division. He was obviously a very good light middleweight but never really got the fights. So have you, is he someone that's been on your radar long? Oh, I, to be honest, I don't really watch... Well, I haven't been watching lots of boxing. You know, that kind of way he was light middleweight. Uh, he's not someone I've kind of tuned in and, 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 and watched, but... He signed with the zone, he's speaking himself up well, saying he's the greatest middleweight and he's calling out the names and he's like he's he's doing a good job of that, but I just don't see it, you know. Uh, I've seen him having a couple of close fights with guys that, that weren't that like, like elite war level, like he had a couple of split decision wins. He, he's no doubt about it, he's a quality operator, technically very good, but... I don't think he's going to be able for that kind of pressure, you know, that I'm going to bring. And uh, he's in for a shock, I believe, you know. Mm. And, like, it's not uncommon, but there's talk of future fights, maybe not from him, but from his promoters and his management team. They're looking at, as you said, Canelo and these kind of guys. That complacency, do you think that's going to be borne out? Do you think he is overlooking you, and can that play to your advantage almost? D- definitely, yeah. Little things like that are going to balance the, the, the scale, say. Uh, look, it'd be similar to, say, that Scottish fight that was offered to me, even though I'm training hard, I'm in the, in the camp, I'm, I'm probably at 80% mentally. Like, you have the odd cheat meal, and you're, 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 the names were sent to me for, say, that Scottish fight. And they were good names, and it, 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 they are banana skins, and it's the same for Andrade. He, he's looking at me as, a, as nearly a headache having to defend against me again. He's talking about... You're an inconvenience. Yeah, thing. I'm an inconvenience. Yeah. Like, uh, And he's talking about the Charlo... Well, there's talk of the Charlo fight here in Offord. He's looking at big money fights. Mm. And, and I'm just like, a, oh, I have to defend against him to keep me belt. That's the way he's looking at me. And he can look at my record, it was patchy, but it, that probably gave him complacency as well. It probably stood to me having those couple of losses against Dorn in a way like people can look at that and say ah, you know like he lost to a, a British level fighter 
But uh, I could have easily won them fights. I was part-time during that. I, I could be like a 20 and old fire going in and with a lot more like respect, if you get me. But I learned, I learned in them losses and I think it's gonna, it's in my favour nearly. I think he is overlooking me. And without giving the game plan away, are there weaknesses? Do you see anything in him that you can get at? Yeah, we've walking walking on some great stuff with P. You know, we've had some great sell pass barring throughout the last ten weeks, and everything is walking like he's a great tactician. P. Uh, everything is walking spot on. Like I'm, I'm gonna break his heart with educated pressure. You know, uh, I've seen a, a couple of his fights. He'd easy defenses at middleweight and. No one actually tried to win. They were nearly happy with one attack yeah. and take a little step back and let him flick. You know that kind of way? Like it was no one actually tried to, to take the bell from him and put him in them grueling conditions that I'd be putting him into. So that's that's more or less the game plan that I give it away. <laughs> but uh, we were just, obviously he was meant to fight Billy Joe Saunders and when he signed with his own, it was to get more fights like that. And you can see that Eddie Hearn sees something in him but he's trying to get it out of him, and we haven't seen that yet. And that's what I'm going to be interested to see, that you know, if you go at him from the first bell, how he'll react. Mm. Because, as you said, the, the other fighters we've seen him against, uh, Soletsky and uh, Kevin Dauka. Yeah. So they, you know, they didn't really trouble him. Also, what's the feeling going over to America your first time? I'm just relishing it again. Yeah. Like I, I spoke, to, I, I just I said to people, "There's no pressure on me." So I'm just relishing this. I'm loving it. Yeah. So we're going over. Like it's just, it's just, it's it's a dream come true, true for me. But I'm going over to win this fight. Yeah. Like the the camp I'm at on him was amazing. Like going to America is just like it's a, it's another venue. It's it's just another is there place. Much, is there many people going over with yeah, you? Yeah, there's uh, surprisingly there's like at the order tickets. Uh, he couldn't buy them online for some reason in America. Uh, so there's 50 or 60 tickets I ordered. Then there's guys I walked with are, are walking in America. And I actually was in Texas for three months. There's guys that walk with in Texas coming down. So we got support of an uncle yeah. that actually lives in Miami. He He's living over there. So he's bringing a few down. So you'd be surprised, you know. Oh, well, there's a few Irish people there. Yeah. <laughs> a weekend away yeah, in Miami. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, the pretty, end of January. better than there. Belfast, really, yeah. <laughs> Are you a big NFL fan or American football fan? No, no. Like I might get invited, you know. <laughs> it's actually really clever from zone because they're a new brand, they're trying to get themselves exposure. And to have this fight in Miami on Super Bowl week is actually really clever because all the media will be there mm. and all the, there will be a lot of attention on the city. So it's just a, it's a good idea from their point of view. In terms of Android, and we've spoken to Andy Lee about this, like when you're in a fight and you're at a certain gear and the fight's not going the way you expected it to go, it's difficult to go through the gears, so mm. that's what, that'd be my question around him. The talent's obviously there, mm. but he's never been inclined or has never been required to go through those gears, and this could be the first time he has to do it, and he might come unstuck. So, it's someone he's someone we've been following a lot, yeah. Andrew. We every time we watch him fight, and we give it the build up, and then afterwards when we analyze it, we just come away thinking it was pretty disappointing. You know, this guy's a a world champion, and you know you're not blown away by it. In terms of his style, Southpaw, what kind of track record have you got against Southpaws? Yeah, like, well, I haven't fought many Southpaws, but mm. the whole camp has been great Southpaw sparring. He, he's, an, he's an orthodox, isn't he, kind of? He, I, I, I think his attitude is just to do enough to win. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just does enough to win. He won't actually uh, 
exert himself. So it is a quest- question mark, as you said. Uh, I don't think he, he'll do enough in camp. Like I think he's a lazy fighter. I think he genuinely believes in his, his hype as well. You know, he, I think he's a bit deluded in that way that he thinks he can just turn up and just turn her on and, and nick the rounds again, yeah. like a Selecki fight, but uh, I don't see it happening, you know? Yeah, and just elsewhere in the middleweight division, we should mention a uh, former stablemate of yours, Spike O'Sullivan, had a, a fight at the weekend, himself at middleweight, and Jaime Mungay moving up for his first fight, and Spike gave him, a, gave him a good test. It was a difficult entry to the middleweight division for Mungay. It's a strange fight that... Mungi obviously got done, he got a point docked for low blows. Uh, it was er- as early as the second round he was warned. So he gets docked the point, then the following round lands another low blow, but the referee seemed to be giving Spike O'Sullivan the hurry up to say, like, you know, yeah. which I thought was strange. And then the commentary team came back or the, the, with comment from one of the officials saying it wasn't a deliberate low blow, so that's why there wasn't a point docked. But the point that was docked wasn't a deliberate low blow, not many low blows are deliberate unless you're someone like Andrew Galotta where you just want to knock someone out with low blows. Like, But I, I found that was strange. Uh, but, yeah, kind of the first half of the fight, Spike was, was doing all right. But I think Mungia, like his corner were just constantly on him, just used the jab and he just didn't. So yeah. th- as the fight went on, he got it. And um, I, I, th- I think even before Packy through the towel and you could tell even at the start just in between 10 and 11 that Packy was almost looking for Spike to say to him look uh, I think I'm done here but Spike he wouldn't do that they seemed to be having some very real conversations in the corner to that point it was like almost less about tactics more about what they want to do here which is interesting you don't really hear that much and uh, Spike's always going to back himself because he's got that like home run shot like he can probably knock anyone out with one punch and he did rock Mungay a couple of times in the third yeah mm. definitely um, but do you know what it was important for Spike big fight that you know he he kind of came out of it with his reputation enhanced after what had happened in the Lemieux fight where definitely came out with pride didn't he yeah you? absolutely and he said he's going to get a he, golden boy to give him a world title shot probably at light middleweight yeah is he a fully fledged middleweight Luke not at all no uh, he's He's, he's like comfortable at light middle, you know. That's that's the thing with, with Spike. He performed it. Mungia would have been massive. Like he would have been similar to probably Lemieux getting in the ring, like like fifteen, say, seventeen, eighteen pound heavier than Spike. Uh, so he's at a huge disadvantage. You you don't realise that disadvantage. Look, mm. I rehydrate fourteen, fifteen pound, between fourteen and sixteen pound, and every fighter is doing that. So. Spike is coming in a middle way, probably under the way, like forcing calories into himself. He doesn't have the the size for a middle way. He he took he gave a great account when he considered he was probably away the stone, you know. So he he can uh, I can I can see him doing damage at, at like middle way, you know. Yeah. Uh, touch what he, he uh, gets a chance again. Yeah, I think he will. Yeah, he'll get another chance. He said he'd take a little bit of time out. He's thirty five, so maybe one more crack at a world title. It kind of speaks to uh, his quality that a he's holding his own at a weight outside his natural weight, and also like you look at his four defeats. There's no shame in any of those guys. No, like no. all former world champions or went on to be world champions. So kind of to that end, and like Luke, he hasn't been. It's not as if he's been in loads of slugfest, grueling fights. That was one of the first ones where you're like he took a bit of there was a bit of give and take in that fight. But he probably has a couple more good fights in him. So it'll be interesting to see 
If they can move, maneuver him into a good position. I, I would have liked to see him at light middleweight sooner, you know? Yeah. Because he, he was always, I felt he was always uh, like a small middleweight, you mm. know? But he, he has that punch. He has that right hand. It'd be interesting to see at light middle what he does, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And another Irish middleweight prospect who I think you were sparring in recent weeks, Jason Quigley, is back again next week. Jason, how was that sparring go? Was that of any... Good, yeah, it was a good spar, yeah. Uh, it, was, uh, it was entertaining, there was a bit of talking in it and stuff, you know, it was a good spar. <laughs> uh, there was actually a bit of a crowd and there was a bit, bit of talking. And actually, I think a friend of mine has a clip of it, it's funny, he's talking <laughs> back, like, and that was funny. We had a bit of a go with each other, you know? Oh, yeah. But we're friendly, you know, it was, it was all in good spirits, you know, so. You would have mixed it a bit in the amateurs as well, wouldn't you? Yeah, he beat me twice in the amateurs, yeah. Uh, so, uh, we, he came down to, to wear a gym and we did a good, good, good spar, you know, so. Uh, he, he's in good form, you know, it's, I think it's a nice meal from, like, he spoke about America, the big lights, and everyone thinks it's great, but there's nothing, there's nothing better than, than being at home, you know, mentally and stuff. He's, he's moved to Dublin now as well. Yeah. He's better off. Better. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a good first title defence for you, yourself and Quigley, maybe. Uh, yeah, see what happens, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'd hope, hopefully get a couple of big paydays and, and bail out then. Uh, but you never know, it's just it's, it's funny in a boxing, it could happen. And we spoke about uh, Andre's complacency, but you'd only be human not to be sort of thinking yourself, like winning that world title or visualisation. I know it's something we've spoken about mm. before. Do you let those thoughts come into your head or is it all about just the X's and O's of actually the fight itself? Well, then looking past Andrade, you know, I, I just I, I let my mind wander and, and what could happen. Like the Munguia fight, he, I think he's WBO number one, isn't he? Mm. He was mad. That could well, be a big fight. Liam Williams as well is in the mix there as well. But because he was light middleweight champion, he, he goes ahead of... They were, I think Liam Williams was giving out about that. That's so right. Munguia, yeah. I think there's talk of Saunders and Canelo. I'm just, just running this through in my head, like saying this would be great, like it, the same card with Munguia, say, in Vegas. And and then Canelo after that, like you have to dream, don't you? Absolutely. Good you luck know. to you yeah. try and get a decision against Canelo in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just have true. to knock him out. Yeah, yeah. We go for that. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Um, Andy Lee is obviously on board with Jason Quigley, and he was, I think, training uh, at Jeffrey's gym there yesterday, having flown from the Fury Wilder press conference. And I have to say, there was a bit of doubt for me that this February twenty second date is something we've been talking about for a long time. But just given. Fury obviously had that bad cut. Wilder's fought very recently, but they seem to be they're nailed on for this date. Uh, touch wood. So, what do you think, Luke? Where's, how's this one going to go? This Fury says he's going to knock him out in the second round. I don't see that happening. Now, but, uh, no, it's, it's it's either obviously like if, if Fury's point, points win again uh, or, or a knockout for, for Wilder. Uh, if he lands, he's just a freak, isn't he? Like he's just I never seen power, power like it. Punch power. Yeah, and I, I think Fury be fresh at this time. He he spoke about that himself. The fact that he came came in after a layoff, I think he'd be a lot fresher. Mm. Uh, he has that belief as well. I think he can move around and outbox him for twelve rounds. You know. Yeah, I think obviously, like Wilder was an overwhelming favorite the last time, just because of that, because Fury hadn't really fought any meaningful level of opposition in about three years. But this time, just looking at the odds, Fury's a slight favorite, so that's a huge change, even. Yeah, but he must. I, I don't know what his confidence levels would have been like going into the first fight, because there must have been doubt in his mind, given how long he was out. So after that fight, he must. Have been, I think most people felt that he won the fight, even though he was knocked down twice, but. 
he must have come out of that thinking, if I had another year or two now of decent uh, sparring and you know looking after myself, I could definitely finish the job. And he's talking about getting the knockout because this is why he's changed trainer. He wants to sit down on the punches more. That would be some statement if he was the first one to not only beat Wilder but to stop him. That would be unbelievable. And it's such a big fight to be going into with a change of trainer. It's something you've gone through, Luke, but mm. to imagine fighting Wilder and then totally changing your philosophy. Up, yeah. And then going in. It's not as if he's taking a, a warm-up fight and then Wilder, he's jumping right in with the most dangerous man in the division. So there's a, a lot to navigate there, isn't there? Mm. Yeah, I suppose you're, you're right. You're spot on, but uh, in terms of confidence, like he has amazing confidence. Mm. And he even taking that force fight. So, and he spoke that he needs to be nailed down. So... He's his own man, isn't he? I don't, I don't think that, that the coaching setup is going to affect him too much. I think he'd be just, he'd be probably, maybe have more discipline. I don't know whether the last coach he were too pally, you know. Maybe he might be pushed a bit more. Uh, the father wasn't happy, was he, with the, no. the coaching? I think, I think he, that probably drove the decision, you know. Mm. Even though they were, they, they did well together, didn't they? Yeah. You know, uh, but the father came out and and, and uh, I think he still has a say, does he? He definitely has his ear anyway. He'd be giving yeah. him advice. I'm not sure if he's there day to day, but he's probably he probably has the final word on a lot of this stuff. Like you remember with the first fight and Freddie Roach was part of the team, and he said a few days after he was on US TV, and he felt that Wilder was there for the taking, especially after the ninth when Wilder went to finish Fury after putting him down, and he just seemed to run out of gas then. And there was a feeling Freddie Roach thought this is the chance now you can actually. You can finish this fight, but he thought they were too cautious. So maybe that's it. That Fury wants to make sure if he has his his foot down, that he finishes the job. But yeah, it, it's it's going to creep up nice and quickly. Yeah, it's, because it's, I know you were saying it's the slow start of the year. Obviously, we had Spike there, Luke's fighting at the end of the month, and then that that heavyweight fight will be upon us in no time. So good start of the year. Yeah, it'll come around very quickly. Um, a few bits since we've last been on. Josh Taylor, who was probably the hottest free agent in boxing, and people weren't quite sure where he was going to end up, has signed with ESPN, and straight away we're looking at this unification with himself and Ramirez, so that's that's going to be class. But it's kind of, we've spoken so much about Josh Taylor's profile, and that felt like a breakout fight just before Christmas at the O2 on Sky Sports box office, and now he's really, he's nailed on to be to be a star in 2020. Yeah, he just keeps getting better and better, and it was a surprise when... It was in the office one day, and I just saw the first of all the the press release from Cyclone came out, and then you were thinking, right, where's he going? So that came out first before the the MTK advice. You think did it was the MTK advice you went first? I think it, well, Cyclone. I think well, that, that's the first that I saw of it, and then Top Rank, and then MTK. So the whole thing moved very quickly. You're talking matter of minutes here. Oh, yeah. was it? Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We thought it came out and then official. They, yeah. they probably all had them all typed up and they were just like, can I hit send yet? Or, but yeah, he, he had a great year and he, he's brilliant to watch. So it's uh, it's only natural that he's going to go, you'd imagine he's going to go over to America mm. and uh, show what he can do, get you know, get some big paydays. And, uh, it's yeah. a shame he couldn't agree to keep on the coaching role or what was involved or did he speak that? Like, it's a shame. And then like... I don't know whether they wanted to be stay on board as management and promotion deal, yeah. or he did kind of have to make a jump. Probably like if you're offered huge money yeah. elsewhere, like it'd be, it would have been nice to see him 
to see no egos and say Shane continue on with him because I think yeah. he was doing a great job, wasn't he? Yeah. Like he was doing an amazing he's job. The, on him. Like yeah. Shane's the the loser and all this, isn't he? Mm. Unfortunately yeah. for him, because loyalty in boxing is something people talk about. Uh, it's not common, but yet fighters have to look after themselves. Like if you're being offered more money with a certain company or a promotional company, yeah, short yeah, career, you have yeah, to take yeah. it. Yeah, gotta get in and out. Yeah, and it's a very short career. You can't, you, like you, Barry McGuigan should know that himself, shouldn't yeah. he? Like you know. You have to set things aside. I don't know the ins and outs of it, so it's hard to comment, but uh, it would have been nice if they could settle it and, and continue on, because I think he did a great job with him, Shane. You know? Yeah, no, even from a helicopter view, that would be my takeaway that Shane McGuigan trained, Carl Frampton brought him all the way along, and Frampton had to like leave that training camp at the 11th hour almost into the last couple of fights of his career. Granted, the Moore uh, relationship seems to be going pretty well, but now Josh Taylor, similarly, who... like. Great talent as an amateur, but McGuigan brought him from from a novice straight through and won a world title pretty seamlessly. And he he was matched really hard. So yeah, I feel a bit sorry for Shane. Uh, just the last few bits of news before we wrap up, Phil. Clarissa Shields got a win at the weekend. Yeah, three three weight world champion in in uh, ten fights, quickest ever. Lomachenko did it in twelve, but uh, yeah, she. Um, she was impressive. She obviously was trying to get the stoppage against Habazin, but uh, put her down in the sixth. Very, very impressive performance. I've said it continuously on on this podcast that it's harder to get people out in two minutes. If the, if there were three minute rounds, you know, it's it's easier to finish the job. But uh, yeah, she just keeps coming down and wait. So I don't know how low she can go. But um, if you're looking for ideas for your your walk on. <laughs> Check out Clarissa Shields. Yeah. Walk on at the weekend. It was, uh, it was it was impressive. But if I don't know what you've got in mind for Miami, yeah, I think I'm just gonna stick with an Irish song, the old triangle maybe. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that'd be a great shout. Yeah, you should I'm do. Not go to uh, fancy though. But I don't know. I love that. That, that, that it kind of hits me. So it's what 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 yeah, uh, gets you going, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know you were talking before. People talk about remixes and you like this. <laughs> yeah. <and> it's like, <laughs> <laughs> not it. <but> yeah. <laughs> Did you have a fight where they played the wrong music? Yeah, two, the last two in Belfast. Yeah. I the had... Uh, <laughs> I don't know, yeah, yeah, seems coincidence. I was slagging the guy Ian Ritchie on the MTK about it. Uh, he got the flack for it, but... Well, it didn't affect your, your performance anyway, so... No. 22nd, you're flying out? Are you going to be staying in Miami for the whole thing? Yeah, we stay stay in the, near, near the venue uh, hotel. It's just kind of let the body recover, uh, make way, and... Uh, just perform, you know. My body's better than it ever was. You're saying my body's changing, oh, but yeah, my look. me percent fat percentage is down, my muscle percentage is up. Like I'm not putting in a serious camp, you'll see you'll see it again, even since the earliest fight of just being on it in terms of my diet and on it in terms of my strength and had no niggle, so you'll see an improvement again. You look great on the beach yeah. in Miami as well, you won't get a place. Yeah, yeah. Trim the shape the chest. <laughs> It's a, it's a great occasion and you've earned it you've, gone, you've done it the hard way so we wish you the best of luck and yeah. hopefully you can bring the belt in when you, when you come will, back I will I definitely will that, that's what I see so touch wood be back in with it and thanks to Phil as well and thanks to producer Tom who's uh, sadly leaving us uh, at the end of this month he's going to making the move to Liverpool yeah is he going to be training over there I don't know the Gallers the Gallers gym's only up the road there Tom so uh, uh, thanks for thanks to everybody for tuning in as well we'll be back next week